You're listening to Ghost Light Podcast for Season 2, Episode 3, Rarer Monsters. Macbeth is crazy, Lady Macbeth is sexy, Duncan is silly, Prince Malcolm's a dolly, Banquo's got an apple, Macbeth finds Duncan dead. Three witches dangled throne right before. Hello, welcome back to Ghostlight Podcast. I am your expert, Paul Mackey, and with me is Amy Bowen. Hello. And Ben Pfeiffer. Hi. And my lovely wife, Darcy Zepernick. Uh, yep, that's me. That's her. All right. Our Can I ask you guys a question? Sure thing. What are your kids' last names? They are actually... Are they hyphenated? They're yes. hyphenated. Zepernick Mackey, it's, uh, it's 14 letters and a hyphen. And a hyphen. That's why the, characters. That's why Fox has three letters in his name, and Iris has four. <laughs> nice. And then okay, she's just curious. It, yeah, it's, it's it, she, He has he has three and four for his two names, and she has four and three. Yeah. Ah. Fox Cyan and Iris Fay. Okay, so the episode is called "Rarer Monsters." It's actually a quote from uh, Macbeth itself, Act 5, Scene 8, the fight scene between Macbeth and Macduff, and it's actually spoken by Macduff. Uh, he says, Then yield thee, coward, and live to be the show and gaze of the time. We'll have thee, as our rarer monsters are, painted on a pole and underwrit, here may you see the tyrant. 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 Okay. So, everybody uh, doing well after the uh, brief hiatus we've had? Yep. I yep. had a great hiatus. I uh, saw my family for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. My my mom and I had a very nice dinner and talked about Shakespeare, including this play. Cool. And I actually got her caught up on the show. I'm going to try to convince her to listen to this episode of the podcast, All right. if possible. Very good. And yeah, we had a really, really good time. <laughs> oh, I saw good, your tweet. Where Where is she? Is she where you right are now? now, season two, episode three? Yes, we actually oh, watched this episode together. Well, Very did cool. uh, did watching this episode together get you ready to to uh, summarize this episode? <laughs> oh yes, I promised I would do that this time. Are we doing that right now? I take it. Uh, we could do that pretty quick here. I'll, yeah, I'll give you some. You? We uh, the 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 time honored tradition is to give you time to compose yourself for it. But this this is the time. All that's... right, I'm. I'm doing that. I already read through my notes for this episode. Oh, very good. Before we got on the air. Just out of curiosity, um, what is the uh, the benchmark that I made last time? Right. Like, I checked that. It was. <laughs> it was. I, I just mistaken. it was like 59 seconds. It was. Yes, you it were was. just under, if I remember right. And you only missed one, one section of the plot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stinker. I'm... Are, are you composed? Oh. Probably ramble about stuff and miss most of the plot. Yes. Well, we'll I, see. I'll do the best I can. Mm-hmm. All right. And if you are ready to go, then uh, on the uh, on the count of three, two, one, Macbeth curse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. All right. Three, two, one, Macbeth curse. Oliver and Jeffrey are on stage discussing their production of Macbeth. And then Nadine, the director of Romeo and Juliet, comes in and, in attempting to counter curse, falls off the stage and breaks her neck. This leads to Maria and Anna having to tell the cast of Romeo and Juliet that their first day of rehearsals is canceled because they don't have a director. The actors playing Romeo and Juliet meet each other for the first time, and neither of them have ever played the role before. 
Later on in the episode, Darren and Jeffrey meet again, and they seem to come to some kind of truce. Meanwhile, with the production of Macbeth, Jeffrey's working really hard, and Oliver is following him around pretty much the entire time he's working these days. And he is foregoing social time with Ellen and other cast members in favor of staying in the theater until late, talking and arguing with Oliver. Meanwhile, while he's not around, Henry is apparently putting the moves on his girl. And ultimately, this leads to... No, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, oh, yes. While all this is happening, Froghammer is mounting its, its marketing effort with uh, rebranding the festival, and Richard goes and yells at Froghammer, but they convince him that no, if they convince the, the public that the festival is crazy, then after that they can do whatever they want. And ultimately, Ellen decides she's not, she thought she was strong enough to deal with living with Jeffrey, even with Oliver around, and uh, tells him she, uh, she does not want to live together anymore. Done. All right, that's right around uh, the two-minute mark. <laughs> wow. Yes. Close. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. Thing, and the stupid thing is, I, if I made a note of where the Skype call timer counter was when I started, I wouldn't have gone that long. Ah. Ah, that's a good idea. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm staring at it in the corner of my screen, and yeah. Hmm. Sorry. There it I, is. Yeah. I organize. I, I organize my speech more by plot line than by chronological order. Well, that works. All right. Well, well let's uh, let's launch into the episode summary, and we can uh, we can get to our individual thoughts on the uh, on the episode as that comes up. Ready? Quick question. Yes. Since mm-hmm. since Ben did it in one, Amy does it in two. I get to do it in three, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I, I, sure. I, I can agree with that. I don't know. I, 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 I'll try. We'll see if you can split the difference. Maybe a minute and a half. There's, there's 60 second purists out there that uh, will argue that point. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Did you want to? Did you want to go on episode four, or do you? I, want... I guess I should. Well, it's her turn. I'm just gotta go. It's my turn. It's not a choice. I'm slacking over here, being the expert, not doing it yet. It must be nice, huh? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Before we uh, jump into the episode, I just kind of have a general observation of it. Okay. I feel, and I'll get more into it at the very end, I guess, but I feel like they introduced a lot of new elements in the middle of the season. And the fact that there's only like three episodes left, they suddenly like just completely, I don't want to say turned the whole thing around, but just introduced a lot of stuff. The end. All right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think they did. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. I think that, you know, the way it was going, I have to be honest, I wasn't I wasn't too into it. I mean, and I like the show. It just, right. like, the first few episodes, I was like, eh, we'll see what happens. Like, it's really actually starting to kick into some things that are happening finally? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Agreed. That's right. All right. Okay, well, we will start with the uh, cold open. Jeffrey and Oliver are debating the nature of evil as it pertains to Macbeth, and talk turns to the actual saying of Macbeth and the curse. Um, <laughs> yes, which uh, that reminds me. Sorry if I can cut in. Sure, that no reminds trouble. me. Is if anyone wants to play along, 
now that I've done my 60-second challenge, I'm going to try to go the entire rest of this episode without saying the name of the Scottish play. I'll make an exception for the quote segment, but that's it. Sweet. And the reason why I, I thought that would be fun is because we are recording this on the night of Friday the 13th. So I thought that it was kind are. of appropriate to the theme of superstitions. It is true. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you say it? We all, I wish we all I had shot. a bell, but I didn't. <laughs> Oh, oh, let's see. Can I come up with a bell? I don't know. The pe- I, oh, can. I, uh, I can. You could? Yeah, Wait. I can come up with one. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it. Let me see. Oh, so you're looking for a bell on the tree. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, good idea. How obnoxious is it? It's really obnoxious. <laughs> you guys ready? It's not that bad. It's not that bad, yeah. Okay. Oh, it oh. is bad. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was fun the first okay. time. There we go. Okay. Okay. Back to the cold open. Still don't still don't have a tangent bell, but now we have a Macbeth bell. <laughs> yep, we do now. Uh, I, however, am going to go ahead and just read through my notes as I have them. You should. That's perfectly fine. Okay. I, I stand oh, uh, totally. Question. Am I ringing the bell for anybody but you saying it? No, everybody, especially me. Okay, especially you. You can leave You can leave Paul out because his notes are written that way, but just me and Ben, do you want it wrong for you? Yeah, I no, wanted no, it no. To be I'll a- keep score. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. And I'm, I'm ringing bells. All right, All you right. ring the okay, bell. That's like, uh, who is who sings to ring my bell? Is that Blondie? <laughs> yes. Yes. I think. There you go. It is. Yes. Okay. Onward. Onward. Uh, so the director um, Nadine enters. Uh, she's the director for uh, Romeo and Juliet. She's just enter- she's just arrived in town, and she uh, sort of proves uh, all of her right by immediately uh, accidentally saying the name of the play, and uh, then. Deciding to counter curse by the uh, time honored tradition of spinning three times in a certain direction and swearing. Yeah, apparently, I've I heard that. I don't. Re- I don't remember all the different remedies. But that's a that's a that's a fairly common one, apparently. Uh, but in doing so, falls off the edge of the thrust and comes to a, a cracking halt. But I'll bump. So either proving Oliver right or uh, proving that the prophecy is self fulfilling, as the. Uh, yeah. Fall was caused by adherence to the superstition. Your mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> yep, or by trying to counteract the superstition. Mm-hmm. I love this. this... this... Good. Um, I, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed this scene. And um, and, oh, last episode, Jeffrey insisted to Oliver. I am not collaborating with the spirit world on a production of the Scottish play. And yet here he is on stage discussing that play with Oliver. So he's reluctantly uh, collaborating with the spirit world, even though he said he wasn't going to. (laughs) Now you go ahead, Ben. Uh, I was just going to comment on this this actress. I couldn't tell. Was she did she have an accent or was she just very Canadian? Mm-hmm. I couldn't really tell if she was supposed to be. Uh, I believe she's. She, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I I didn't. Uh, this was the one actress out of everything in here because I I do know that she doesn't show up again. Right. Uh, that I did not actually look up and and discover anything on. That's fine. I did like the fact, though, that she not only brings up the fact that there are other directors involved besides just Jeffrey and uh, Oliver, and that um, she mentions Darren Nichols. 
Yes. Right at the beginning, we get both a Darren Nichols reference and a reminder that there are other directors inside this company. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is actually the end of the cold open. And we get the uh, opening credits, and then we move on. Um, Jeffrey and Ellen at breakfast discussing the accident and uh, discussing Jeffrey's increasingly late hours. Uh, they have some uh, dreadfully spicy Tex-Mex. <laughs> I've, I've generated some on my own on occasion. Yeah, you have. Oh, my God. <laughs> I you were trying to kill me. And it turns out that despite their uh, their relative candor over Oliver's appearance at the grade school, they've gone back into some, some level of denial, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I asked myself in my notes, why is that? Why would Jeffrey hold that back and insist on denying to Ellen that he really is seeing and hearing Oliver? And in addition, why why is Ellen so curious about it? I'm wondering if, like Nahum, she would really like to see a real ghost. Or maybe it's just she loves and is concerned about Jeffrey. I'm leaning towards the latter. I think she's freaked out about it, so... I mean, well, it's not like it's not going to come up again because they mentioned it about eight different times in this episode. <laughs> yes, yeah. it seems like they have the exact same conversation and it ends the exact same way, except for the very last time. So that kind of got on my nerves. But this is the first of those. The first of um, those. I do like Jeffrey's sweater in this scene and in the next. <laughs> it's the same sweater. I have a sweater like that. <laughs> That's it. It is sweater weather. It's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I. I don't remember if this was in this scene or a later scene, but when Jeffrey quoted the thing about the undigested bit of beef for seeing a ghost from A Christmas Carol, I cracked up laughing. I thought that was pretty funny, too. You may have just stolen my uh, quote there, Amy. I've got another one for you. I got a couple more. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I knew that I wouldn't be the only one that picked up on that. Yes. (laughs) Matter of fact, we all That is a favorite line of mine from A Christmas Carol. Yes. Yes. Uh, next up, Richard and Anna are also discussing the accident via Richard's cell phone as he drives. Uh, Richard flip. is... Pardon me? Hmm? He's a flip phone. Yes, a flip phone. It's, it's 2005. <laughs> also, Jeffrey was reading a newspaper, which also don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> Poor Basil. <laughs> <laughs> um, F- Richard is also trying to figure out if Froghammer has contacted him. And uh, Anna discovers from the world's oldest interns that, in fact, there is a fact. (laughs) I have the exact note, 35-year-olds playing high schoolers, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) And they find out there is indeed a fax about the new billboards, which Richard then sees one of. And for those following along and listening along but not actually watching the series, first of all, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but second of all, it's a billboard of a of a person on life support and someone s- sitting by their side, and the the person on life support has a pair of tickets in their hand. It says our subscribers, and then on the corner of the uh, billboard, it says New Burbage. Don't bother. Yes, and for a like you know <laughs> extremely on the edge advertising firm, they have the worst Photoshop skills ever. <laughs> But it is 2005. Yeah, well, in 2005, Photoshop was, it was pretty, pretty, pretty sophisticated. Pretty sophisticated. It yeah, was. it looked like they did that on Microsoft Paint. Like, they literally oh. cut those tickets out and put them in the hand, and the graphics were pretty pathetic, but whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's a television budget, so I shouldn't really criticize it that much. Yeah, don't forget, I was touching up black and white photos for, uh, 
for the Jewish Cowboy documentary back in school using Photoshop. Wow, you're old. Yay. <laughs> Which uh, makes tangent. me older. In, in, in the defense of any hypothetical people who might be listening to this without actually watching the show, the tagline on the Quadruple C website is, we watch, listen, read, and consume, so you don't have to. <laughs> there you go. In theory. Mm-hmm. In theory. Uh, Jeffrey and Oliver enter what I've, co- what I've come to call the theater vision sequences, where they uh, see full-on production of stuff that hasn't actually existed yet. Uh, they are discussing the setting of the play and the witches, to begin with. So this kind of starts... This is one of the first, like, flash-forwards or whatever of what the play is going to look like. Are they setting it in a modern time, in a modern war? Is that what is happening for sure? It seems to be, yes. Yeah. Between these, like, refugee witches and uh, the Scotchman later on, uh, his garb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that he would, that Jeffrey would take that direction. I, w- I was not expecting that. Yeah, it does, it does not seem that they're doing just a full-on traditional Shakespearean approach. As, uh, as Oliver says, could be, could be any war. War in general with a capital W. Didn't we <laughs> do? We did that for Mother Courage and her children. It was any war. Yeah. Do you remember that? What the yeah. flipping flip? <laughs> Sorry. That's that was written specifically about. I think it was World War One. But anyway, the playwright was thinking of a specific war. So I'd love to hear elaboration about this particular production. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, now, now on the one hand, it, it, it is the Hundred Years' War that it was uh, set, yeah. that it's actually set in. Although oh, I think right. Brecht, sorry, my mistake. I think Brecht Brecht was directly referring to the horrors of World War One in writing about the Hundred exactly. Years' War. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, that's and it. that's why that's a lot of people take it to the any war, any time sort of, and it's that's that's not an, an uncommon way to do that show, but. I just was uh, thinking. What show are you guys talking about? That. Mother that would, Courage and Her Children. Mm, I have no idea what that is. It's it a is uh, sort of horrible. a. It's an epic. <laughs> it's an epic oh. Berthold. It's an epic Berthold Brecht musical. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Dorothy. I I did not know that about the production. So thank you for clearing that up yep. for, for me. Uh, and then we get to Richard in the office trying to get Sanjay by phone. Anna reveals that the uh, that uh, the Romeo and Juliet director has broken her neck, and Richard reacts with his trademark compassion. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Richard. Mm. He's just Poor worried. He's just worried. He's like you know Kermit the Frog, you know, trying to keep the theater open every week. It's hard, hard job. He kind of looks like Kermit mm-hmm. the Frog. He too. totally looks like <laughs> Kermit the Frog. Kind of looks like a <laughs> kind of looks like a chicken lady. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait. At the first rehearsal for Romeo and Juliet, I will be uh, suddenly introducing you to, to, to three new actors in the show, but uh, here goes. Uh, at the first rehearsal, Sarah, playing Juliet, spills coffee all over her shirt, and Jerry, who is uh, playing a variety of parts, lends her his sweater. Now, Sarah is played by Joanne Kelly, and uh, she has also appeared in uh, Supernatural, Castle, Dresden Files, but is best known as uh, Agent Micah Baring on Warehouse 13. One of the uh, the principal cast of that show. I think they're all shows I've heard of but never watched. Ah, well, I can definitely mm-hmm. uh, I can definitely recommend heartily the Dresden Files. I liked that a lot. She was the she was the uh, somebody made a... vampiress. Pardon me. Mm. 
somebody made a Dresden Files TV show. <gasps> oh, yes. You didn't know that. It went for this a, is news to me. Oh, yep. it's, it's fantastic. It's a whole, I think, 12-episode uh, season that ra- aired on Sci-Fi um, quite some time ago now. Yeah, like four or five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I had absolutely no idea. Cool. Thanks. Yes, it's uh, um, Paul... Oh, what's his name? Played play Dresden. Maggie. No, 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 I did not play no. Dresden. <laughs> Paul Black. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. No, Black you know, something. Uh, ugh, okay. Anyways, total digression. I'm not looking it up. No. Uh, <laughs> Jerry. Back on track. Jerry is played by Oliver Dennis. He he doesn't actually have a lot of uh, film and television credits that I could find, but he has produced or been been in over 50 productions at the Soul Pepper Theater Company in Toronto. Which has come up many wow. times in the uh, recent past in regard to this show. It is the one where um, Martha Burns and uh, Susan Coyne are founding members. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, he's actually listed currently as an artist in residence there. Uh, so, and, uh, so Jerry points out Patrick, um, Sarah's Romeo, and Patrick is played by David Alpay. Uh, this was really early on in his career, but since then he was uh, Mark Smeaton in The Tudors, Calvino in The Borgias, and oh, Atticus yeah. Shane on Vampire Diaries. Have you, you watched some of The Tudors and The Borgias? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Some. Some. Most of? Like, yeah, I have uh, to fast forward. Through. Fast forward? Yeah, it's a little racy for me. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So does uh, does David Alpay get saucy in uh, in one of these roles? Yes. Yes. Okay. No more comments. Sorry. <laughs> no spoilers. Again, again, shows that I've heard of but I've never watched. But appara- yeah. apparently, his uh, apparently was in a whole twelve episode run of uh, Vampire Diaries that I've, I have no clue never seen on that, that one. Uh, Anna enters and announces the news of the director's uh, fate and uh, cancels the rehearsal. Uh, so this whole like introduction of Romeo and Juliet, this is what I was kind of talking about. Like they suddenly throw this in in the middle, <laughs> and maybe this is one of those things that uh, Darcy liked that they were introducing this. Maybe that it was uh, a little bit less boring. Yeah, I mean, it, there there was something more to think about for me, I guess, than just Jeffrey and uh, yeah, Ellen. Yeah, I, I guess I needed a plot B. I don't know. It's... Right. Sure. Well, I guess they had mm-hmm. to kind of tie Jack and Rose together or whatever. Was it Rose? <laughs> <laughs> Jack and Rose? No, no, no. That was on a boat. You're so confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I agree. And I like that this episode has uh, the main Scottish play plot with Oliver and Jeffrey and Ellen and Henry. And then there's the Romeo and Juliet subplot, and then there's the advertising and frog, frog hammer subplot going on. So there's you you could argue that there's a B and a C plot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and right at the end of the scene, Sarah and Patrick meet briefly. Was it? I, did anybody else find it kind of odd that they were making a point to illustrate that Patrick was gay? That was a little weird. It just seemed a little bit forced, and uh, I don't know. It was very odd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil anything about where the direction they, they take things. I but mean, it, it seems pretty obvious where they're taking it. They're trying to kind of ostracize leading lady by having leading male not play the game that she wants to play. Hmm. So there you go. 
Do you think that she's going to play that game? I didn't get I that feeling I, at all that she has any desire to play that game. I thought she did because she wanted to really? you know, get together, go over the script, and I don't think that well, was genuine. Well, it doesn't automatically lead to nachos. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that was <laughs> Cheesy poos or whatever. Because that's my it was, job. It was, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you didn't do enough production to know how that goes, Paul. <laughs> uh, then we get back to Jeffrey and Oliver back in the uh, theater vision mode uh, regarding Duncan and then uh, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. And just a little bit more on the uh, the setting mm-hmm. and the s- setting the scene and looking at the uh, looking at the design in full production in their minds or his mind. Uh, at the bar. About that. Oh, sure. Actually, I had something to say about that scene. Sure thing. Um, that you, with that last one with Jeffrey and Oliver. Um, Jeffrey asks Oliver, why did you pick Henry? Oliver answers, did you see his Hamlet? No, says Jeffrey. It was very good. I wrote in my notes, from the way Oliver hesitates and doesn't go into much more detail, I get the impression that there has to be more to it than that. My first impulse, which is stupid for a reason I'll get to, was that in some days very long past, Henry was the galert Grindelwald to Oliver's Albus Dumbledore. Ah. Translation for people who aren't big Harry Potter nerds. <laughs> a very long time ago, Oliver and Henry were lovers, or at least Oliver was attracted to Henry. Of course, it makes becomes very clear later on that Henry is attracted to Ellen, but so he might be at least by, I don't know. <laughs> but it was a... It was a it was an okay I first impulse while it lasted. Yes. But I just I wonder whether we're going to find out any more any more detail about why why um Oliver really wanted Henry Breed Breedlove to play that title role. Yes. I yeah, that's I something feel I'm like curious it. about now. They they have been like really building him up, like because uh, Ellen was also like ridiculously excited that they got him, and, and everybody on staff as at the was theater. Richard, mm-hmm. right? and so, so was Richard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they they've built him way up, so it'll be interesting to see him perform. Besides the uh, little speech that he did at the very beginning of the practice, yeah. yes. So uh, at mm-hmm. the bar, dagger speech, yes. which was yes. dagger speech, the dagger yes. speech indeed, which is key. At the bar, Sarah uh, discusses uh, Queer as Folk with Patrick, uh, with an assist from Jerry. And uh, Henry holds forth, and when he's trying to get bitters for Jeffrey, uh, notices Brian, who is uh, sitting at the bar alone and finds that he is without a part, at which point Jeffrey flees, uh, ostensibly to return to working on the show, which, you know, I mean, he is going back to work on the show, but he's also getting away from an awkward social situation. But it's clear that uh, mm-hmm. it's clear that Brian is is uh, seen as like a respected elder member in terms of Henry's perception, and uh, sort of a uh, inconvenient old man to uh, to Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Brian in this episode a lot more than the last episode that I saw him in. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit more humanity yeah. to him. That's 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 very good. Yeah, you see more you see more layers of him in this episode than just a right. crotchety actor who is who is fed up with you know Jeffrey. Right, and I'm not sure that you know he doesn't seem like devious or anything either. I mean, he might be a right, little like full of himself, uh, but it's not too bad, you know. Yeah, I kind of got the devious feeling last time around. Yeah, like an episode two ago, but now it's you're right. He doesn't seem to be like that. But you just never know. He could be still. We'll find out. 
Mm-hmm. Never trust an actor. Right. <laughs> sure thing. That's what I always tell my sister. She doesn't ever believe me. Ah. So we get another morning kitchen scene. And uh, more on, uh, on Jeffrey working late nights. And uh, Ellen presses for details about the nature of the work with Oliver. Uh, to which, uh, when when she cites that that he she, he did see her see uh, when he when she cites that he did see him at the uh, grade school, he pulls the Scrooge defense. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the second time they've had this conversation, right? Yes, this yeah. is the second okay. time when, where mm-hmm. he is still uh, vehemently des- denying that anything is is uh, going on. All right, so the counts to two right now. Sure thing. Uh, Near the end of the scene, Ellen discovers she's being audited, and uh, Jeffrey flees, uh, ostensibly to work on the show. Yeah, the auditing thing was mm-hmm. another thing that seemed to come out of nowhere. Mm, but don't audits always come out of nowhere? <laughs> no one. I don't know anybody that's mm-hmm. ever been audited. Really? Like, do you? Uh, it's probably my year, so I'm not going to say anything. No one expects no, a Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> As far as, like, the government's concerned, unless you own, like, a lot of property, they're never going to audit you. You know, I mean, if- they, every once in a while, they'll go after self-employed people, so that's why I say that. And you're coming out of a self-employed year. This is my year. last self-employed year, so if they were going to go after me, this would be the year they're going to go after me. Right. That's- Correct. Yeah, I didn't, I don't know anybody who's self-employed like that, so that, that also makes sense if you're doing it that way. Or maybe some of my freelancer friends, but, like... I get a W too, so I have like no fear that I will ever be. I wrote down. Yes, Amy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, makes sense. I wrote down in my notes. Boy, all the bad luck from the curse of the Scottish play is happening in this episode. So the the auditing, the spilling the coffee, the falling off the stage and breaking back. Yes, yes. Those are all, and there and the others that I won't mention because we haven't gotten to them yet. I didn't pick up on that. Right. Mishaps are all happening in this episode. And why? Well, the cursed play is in production. Yes, could be. Could be. Hey. Um, out of curiosity. Oh. Go ahead. Out of curiosity on this audit scene, um, did anybody notice that as the camera was pulling back, there's a mirror right next to Ellen and you can see the boom mic operator? <laughs> oh, no, I did not. <laughs> Very obvious. <laughs> nope, I missed that. That's pretty funny. Because they kept it all as one take when they like went in, and when they came back, you see him like backing away with the camera. Oh, too funny. Oh, gotta watch those sight lines. Mm. <laughs> right. Mirrors are always tricky. You always gotta exactly. watch your mirrors. Uh, so Anna shows one of the world's oldest interns the phone system, <laughs> and the voice voicemails are showing the uh, reaction to the ad campaign is uh, mainly in the negative. True. Actually devolves straight into the Nazis. That's a sure sign that the argument's getting old, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, who wants to be insulted by any company? Especially not one you support. Mm-hmm. Seems- I'm paying you to insult me, sir. Yeah, no good. No good. Oh, this is abuse. You want next door. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's just Python all around here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, in a scene closely mirroring one in season one, they search for options with a few of the directors that are uh, in production at the at the uh, show, at the at the uh, festival. Um, on the list is Darren Nichols, and Jeffrey says that Darren Nichols should be at the very bottom of the list, but concedes that he can be on the list. Mm-hmm. I noted for this scene, 
one of the other directors says, Pirates is a real handful. And I went, uh-huh. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it takes a lot of people to stage. And it is a light opera musical. So people sing. And there's stage combat. And there's dancing and choreography. And all with, with a lot of people. And, yep, I can totally imagine that it would be a be a real handful for the director. That and the, the middle guy... He only spoke Spanish. I caught that, what that. that. Yeah, yeah. Was that a joke? Like I don't. Not know. not that he spoke Spanish, but was that supposed to be kind of a joke that Richard had to like speak Spanish? To? I don't know. That that seemed a little weird. Too. It was a little awkward feeling, but uh, it felt like it was a lame joke that didn't really connect with me. Yeah, I don't know if it was meant to be funny or not. Yeah, it was odd for sure. I thought I can't remember strange. if. Uh, Last time around, though, I think that there was a foreign director, but I don't think he was Spanish or or uh, Hispanic. I think he may have been Asian. It's possible. I can't remember from season one when we saw the round table of directors. Oh, yeah, I for think the same was, there was a Native American guy. Was... Maybe that's what it was. Was it the first season? Yeah. Because, hmm. yeah, we had a discussion about him because of all of the, what, where, what he had been in. No, that was, that was the first, that was the first episode. Was what that was, the first, okay, I'm that was, that was, yeah, Graham Greene and the, uh. Oh, you're right. Or not Graham Greene, but, uh, what's his name, yeah. What's his name, yes, him, of course, what's his name. Okay. Good old, what's his name. Paul's looking back in his notes. Mm, that no, time no. he went to that place. Yeah, and that then there was the this guy. the guy. And he was in Alaska, and there was another Yeah, it was Graham Greene. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Graham Greene. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for filling. <laughs> it was actually last episode, not last season. Was it really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I am so mixed up. I need uh, more coffee. More coffee. Uh, so at, as they're doing the rehearsal of the witches scene, Ellen talks tax law with Frank and Cyril and is not really <laughs> liking what she hears. Yeah. But uh, what they were saying is true. Is it? Yeah, seriously, yeah, claim claim everything. claim everything because otherwise they'll stick it to you. And if you you claim everything, you know they probably won't let you keep everything. But at least you know you you have a better chance of keeping as much as possible. That's the idea. But do you that. but do you agree that you have to uh, that you have to uh, keep with the zeitgeist and every every record you listen to and every you know everything that you buy and everything everything as an as actor a, as an actor? Yeah, I do actually. Hmm. The designer too, same thing. Seriously. Yeah, it made sense to me. Seriously, any right. anything that that you do that in, could inspire you, you can write that crap off. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, whoa, oh, no. whoa, whoa, Paul! What are you doing? I'm apparently dialing. Close it. Close it. Okay. <laughs> apparently, the numeric keypad is automatically a dialing pad. Look at that. Nice. Hmm. Uh, Richard arrives at Froghammer. And he gets to see behind the scenes of their office concept. And then they get down to discussing the matter at hand. Uh, it's, almost, it's almost like two little mini scenelets. First, the, first there's the chaos of the inner office, the, uh, the open, open office concept, and the uh, organic design of their teams. Uh, and then mm-hmm. uh, they get to discussing the matter at hand. Sanjay cites their research. And I won't uh, talk about the libraries too much, as it might be someone's quote. Is it? You got it? No. No. Okay. no. Nobody has that one? Okay, well, I might as well say it then. It's, it, it, basically, it's, uh, Sanjay says the research they're doing says that uh, people feel the same way about going to the festival theater as they do about going to the library. And he says, uh, good news for libraries, terrible news for you. 
so he tells how they uh, how they designed the campaign, which I definitely won't mention because I know that's a quote. Uh, and he backs it up with quotes from great leaders. <laughs> quotes. <laughs> leaders. Le- leader. <laughs> a leader. Yeah. He's you, very you, favorite. He has a very favorite. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did do some research. Every quote that he cites is from the person that he says. So when he quotes Nixon, he's quoting Nixon for real. And when he quotes Seneca, it's really actually quoting Seneca. Okay. Excellent. He's not very he's, good. So so he may be he may be off the wall and crazy, but he's at least accurate with his quoting. Cool. Which I was impressed by because I was like, oh, well, these can't all be cr- all all correct. They were, huh? They are all actually what you know, direct quotes. When did you have time to look that up? Briefly before I slept today. <sighs> Briefly. You see how tired I look? You look pretty <laughs> tired. <laughs> mm. uh, that's it. That's it, right? Yeah, that explains how they designed their campaign. Uh, so then, uh, Jeffrey lays out how the banquet scene should go with uh, prompting from <laughs> Oliver. After they uh, lay out the banquet scene somewhat, and Oliver uh, makes sure that Jeffrey m- mentions all the details, uh, Jeffrey wonders where uh, where Jerry is, and Jerry arrives having just suffered a uh, bicycling accident. <laughs> <laughs> so there's another curse, I another know. thing from the curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then- as my mom pointed out, par- uh, this scene directly parallels the banquet scene because um the because uh um what's his name (laughs) oh you always got me out there (laughs) she didn't say it you know who you know who Mackers Mackers ghost come in and Banquo's ghost has blood all over him the text says so and Uh. now Jerry's coming in blood him I think that that was the character that Jerry is playing I, I uh, wasn't clear that he... No, I, I don't believe he is. Well, he said that he's playing a young something in Mackers. The young steward. Oh, okay. Yes. Thank you. So, as my mom joked, never shake thy gory bald head at me. <laughs> 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 the actual lines, never shake thy gory locks at me, but get, uh, Jerry doesn't really have any hair. There is not a hair on that head. Yes. <laughs> And uh, of course, Oliver Oliver directly says, "I, you know, uh, it's a great look for Banquo's ghost. I should take a sketch." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry yeah, if I'm I stealing laughed. anybody's quote. No more of that quote, by the way. I laughed at that part, and I also reacted with, "What? You're a ghost. You can't touch things." But then again, we think he might have opened the door to Sybil's cage in season one, so maybe he can. Yes. And also on that point, earlier in a, the scene where they were rehearsing the witches. Oliver yells, again from the top, at the witches, apparently forgetting for a moment that, oh yeah, he's a ghost. No one can hear him except Jeffrey. This man is a director through and through, and apparently old habits don't even die hard, they stick around after death. (laughs) But, But then Jeffrey does repeat Oliver's direction for the actress playing the third witch to hear, but rephrases it and softens it to, don't force the physicality, just let it come. I thought that was a neat Neat character moment. Yes, definitely. Next up at Froghammer, uh, Richard and a team of artists are watching a reel of bad reviews of New Burbage Productions. Uh, Richard rejects the concept to the exasperation of the team, and then agrees to uh, to stay over at the uh, at the agency until uh, dinner time to dine with Sanjay. And I wasn't sure if that that reel was because uh, they, they they said. 
you know, Richard says later on that they're going to blow up the bad reviews and put them on billboards all over town. So I'm not clear on whether that reel they were watching was an actual commercial reel or whether that was just ideas, concepts for billboards or what exactly. Hmm. Um, uh, back to the uh, rehearsal of Macbeth. Uh, Emily gets overzealous with her role as ASM, assistant stage manager, <laughs> and breaks down when Maria reprimands her. Mm-hmm. So we get a little, uh, a little uh, Emily business. Yeah, I wrote in my notes, poor Emily. I really feel sorry for her. And by the way, I predict, I am going to put out the prediction, we're going to see her redeemed and see something good happen to her last episode of this season, similar to how we saw Terry from Accounting play a non-speaking part in Hamlet in the last episode of season one. All right, then. Definitely. That's a good prediction. That's a good one, yeah. Uh, Henry invites Jeffrey for a drink and he declines even when Ellen suggests strongly that he needs a break. Uh, which uh, sets up a, 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 a scene where Ellen and Henry are just having a drink together, talking about the show at first and then about Jeffrey specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, before, you, before you move on, sure I have thing. like a million comments on that scene because it's yes. so important. This... All taking all of Jeffrey's time away from Ellen, which can't be good for their newly rekindled relationship. And then I picked up on Henry saying, commenting on sight lines, audibility. Henry says these are the mundane little details that Jeffrey's neglecting. And we know that those are the things that Oliver was particularly bad at, too. Case in point, the forgeries of jealousy speech in the first episode that nobody could hear because Oliver had his Titania, Ellen, facing away from the audience. I'm thinking Jeffrey is being influenced so much by Oliver that he's even carrying on the bad directorial habits that Oliver had fallen into. Hmm. Yep, I I agree with that entirely. I think that's a pretty good theory. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, And then... But on the no- another point, Henry goes on to say, that, that thrust is going to be a killer. We're going to yeah. have to work really hard to keep the audience in the story. I put, what the heck? The whole point of the thrust was to move the story right into the audience's faces in order to make them feel like they're complicit in the intrigue, as Jeffrey and Oliver were discussing earlier in the season. And I was really surprised that Henry didn't get that. Mm. Yeah, You know, seems- the thing about the thrust is, okay, the idea is to get it into the audience and that it brings the fourth wall into the audience, right? Mm -hmm. That's what happens actually when they're that close to you. It makes the fourth wall um, more intimidating um, because there isn't a distance. So sometimes Mm. it can work the opposite direction. So oh, I think that's okay. I think that's kind of where that's. And I think the, I think the other thing that he's probably trying to that he's try, talking about probably is that this is a, a modified proscenium stage with a thrust added on. So instead of mm-hmm. just being a instead of just being a thrust stage theater where you have you know the real estate is simplified by being just all built out into the thrust, you have a lot more real estate because you've got the entire proscenium space. In, and a thrust. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, land to cover, you know. Right, and the, the in order to cover that land, you either need lots of scenery, really big costumes, or cast of thousands. <laughs> oh, so. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Thank you again. And then I also put 
oh my god, Henry is probably right about the state the sleepwalking scene, but he has absolutely no business telling Ellen how to block it. He's deliberately undermining Jeffrey's direction. I can't wait to get our resident theater people's reaction to this point on pod. Yeah, I thought you might pick up on that. that. (laughs) And I have to be honest, theater is a collaboration. So you know what? If you're that director and you didn't see it and you don't say, hey, let's let's take it back a step and try it a different way. You're not a good director. Okay. Uh, to some extent, okay. I, I, but uh, also I, I kind of got the sense the way that Jeffrey thought the the, the way that Jeffrey spoke about, spoke about it when uh, when Ellen mentioned it, it almost sounded like he does have a plan of some sort, and that she just doesn't mm. see it yet. There, that's possible. It's possible. Too, it's possible but... that he's either it, he's either de- deliberately not seeing it, mm-hmm. or uh-huh. or he already had something in mind, and it's not something that's obvious to everybody. Right. But as a, a good director, usually takes that as a collaboration mm-hmm. because that also, um, I don't know, it, tactically it works out better. You're not being the boss. Well, as. Yeah. As distracted as he was, he was fairly diplomatic when he said, "Well, let's let's see what it happens." Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Mm. I thought he was just brushing her off. I didn't think that it was diplomatic at all. But mm. That's me. So next up, uh, San- okay. Oh, sure. Very good. Thanks. Uh, did you did you have further? Uh, further no, go discussion ahead. I'm on- done. Okay, good. Nope. Um, no, that was it. Sure. Uh, Sanjay and Richard have uh, have uh, some some dinner. Sanjay de- de- continuing to defend their plans and says that actually that if uh, if they can't work together that they would have to resign the account, which uh, mm. on the surface sounds like not such a bad idea considering how crazy their uh, their plans are. But uh, also they've spent all that money, you know, working, you know, hiring them as a as a firm. I'm sure they wouldn't get much of that back. Right. Mm. So it would be somewhat of a bad thing for them to suddenly have their agency resign the account. Um. Then Sanjay uh, takes a different tactic and asks Richard about what his dreams are, and uh, Richard admits that he has a love of musical theater, and Sanjay says, well, if you want it to happen, it can just happen. And that he's- I thought this was kind of funny, because when he, when he asked that question, my thought was, I want to go to space. <laughs> Which, of course, is exactly what Sanjay says he's about to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> funny. Would you want to go to space, Paul? Not sure. I don't. I'm afraid of heights. That's just not not a good plan. I'd like to just have better time management. I'd be able to actually write. <laughs> good point. I mean, when, when I when I actually when I actually sit down and do it, I can crank out a bunch of scenes between a transdimensional traveler and a foul-mouthed marmot. <laughs> yeah, but that was before Kid Number Two. No, That's... no, that was uh, just that was last month. No way. Yeah. Oh, I miss that. Yeah, no, I did a whole bunch of transdimensional traveler slash marmot scenes for the uh, end of the deadpan. And it was awesome, and you can still catch up, Darcy. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I would have to be a better, uh, uh, to a little better with my time management. Uh, so uh, then uh, there is a scene where Jeffrey is uh, is working with Oliver, but uh, it's from Ellen's point of view. So you just see uh, Jeffrey on stage alone, having a one sided conversation. And he does look totally batshit crazy. I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah, when you when you when you yeah. watch when you watch the scene from her perspective and you really don't yeah, see all of her. You know, when I was growing up, there is a quick quick story. There was this guy that lived a couple doors down from us, and he had uh, 
diagnosed schizophrenia. And he used to walk around the neighborhood and he would just talk and wave his hands and it looked it looked exactly like Jeffrey. I mean, and the guy was, was harmless mm. for the most part that we, we knew of. But, you know, that's just... When I saw Jeffrey doing that, I'm like, he must at some point in his acting career have studied something like this because it looked exactly like this one guy. True story. Mm. <coughs> Pardon me. So then next up, uh, the, 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 the actual decision apparently happened uh, off screen, but uh, it's clear that the uh, bottom of the list has been reached and Darren Nichols is returning to town. <laughs> oh, yay. My favorite. He's oh, back. yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He's back. <laughs> He's back, and I wrote on my notes, talk about some bad luck. <laughs> good point, Amy. Good point. Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm glad he's back. I liked him last time around. I thought he was a funny little character. Mm. So I'm, I, I yeah. will be glad or, to see him as an antagonist. And uh, you know, yeah. skipping ahead a small amount, he is reborn, so... Uh... Reborn. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, but the next scene is actually is fairly fairly, uh, fairly exciting. Mr. Archer is uh, calling Sanjay on all his bullshit. Unfortunately, Sanjay is not there, so uh, Mr. Archer is left shouting at Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Mr. Archer. He's still still not actually named on screen, but uh, that is his character name. Uh, yeah, I like him. Yeah, he reminds me of the marmot. <laughs> Paul, you are a marmot. I am the marmot. I know. <laughs> this is okay. Push forward, Paul. Push, Push forward. forward. Okay, the show. Uh, any comments about uh, about Mr. Archer other than uh, that you like him? I don't know. All I'm thinking about is marmots. Now hurry up. <laughs> I don't know if I like him, but that's just me. He has a very Mitt Romney feel to him. <laughs> I can see that. White corporate man. Yeah, but at least, you know, he cuts through the shit. That's all. Right, right. No, I, I like, like the that. fact that he's cutting through the shit. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, I don't like his gold watch, and I don't like his tie. And that's just my <laughs> own prejudice. You have to talk to the costume designer about that. <laughs> I'm sure it was a calculated decision. I'm sure. Uh, so Ellen confronts Jeffrey about Oliver directly. This is time number three. This is time number three, another morning. And, uh, you know, Jeffrey is still still spending his uh, extreme late nights uh, alone with Oliver. It's a, a kind of, we, we brought up Fight Club last last uh, episode, and I'm kind of bringing it up again. I'm, th- I'm thinking it's almost a, it's almost the same thing. He's, he's never sleeping, and he's accommodating two psyches in his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just about. Yeah, that's hard. That's, I need to watch Fight Club. That's a... We don't know what happened to his apartment. He could have blown up. We don't know. Jeffrey Jeffrey might have blown up his own apartment. You just don't know. You never know. There's all that Ikea furniture in there. Just don't know. (laughs) Did he have Ikea furniture? I never saw Jeffrey's apartment. I don't know. I'm making crap up. Oh, good. Deliver me from Swedish furniture. Okay. Uh, and, and as Jeffrey is uh, again fleeing from uh, confrontation, she also mentions that this is the scene where she mentions the sleepwalking scene, and he says, "We'll we'll see what happens," uh, either dismissively or collaboratively, mm. depending on your point of view. I thought it was dismissive. So Ellen, uh, now that she's uh, she's uh, talked to, or wait, no, well, scene before that, uh, Jeffrey and Darren meet in the conference room, coming to something of an agreement where uh, <laughs> Darren will uh, be more reasonable as he is reborn. 
And yeah. um, after spending and, time with mm-hmm. puppets, I was gonna say there are two puppet jokes in this. Yeah, show. I know. The second one. They're quotes. I love the. I love the. Okay, we can't. They're, they're quotes. quotes. Never mind. <laughs> yes, but no. But they're good. hilarious. Yes. Um, Darren will be more reasonable, and Jeffrey will not interfere either with Darren's rehearsal or his person. <laughs> No more stabbing him with a prop sword. <laughs> no more sword fights. <laughs> no more duels with swords. Yes. And Darren's quote, I'm sorry if I'm stealing a quote, but Darren said, my new love, something about my new love is more specifically the idea of theater, and I went, oh, great. Because that's not the same as the incompetent at theater. <laughs> yes. So, I, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yes. Uh, so what I have next is that Ellen goes to Henry directly about her worries about Jeffrey's mental state and uh, pretty much goes to, you know, directly talks about exactly what's going on behind Jeffrey's back, as it were. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I thought that was an interesting scene that apparently poor Ellen just had to tell somebody that she saw Jeffrey debating the play with Oliver because she just couldn't stand dealing with that all by herself. At least that was my thoughts. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel, you know, again, not necessarily on team Ellen, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't like the direction she went there for sure. Yes. And, uh, at this point, uh, Jeffrey is debating Oliver in his office about Macbeth's humanity and whether that's being lost uh, Jeffrey wants to regain the humanity and make him relatable, thus making his uh, horrific actions that much worse. And uh, meanwhile, Oliver is saying he's he's already a monster. He's not supposed to be human. Mm. Right. And, you know, again, with the, the theater tactic of having uh, somebody uh, disrobe on stage for it, and also in a play that is about just war in general, this this happens often, just going forward. Uh-huh. We also saw this in, remember, Mad Forest? We did Mad Forest. I never saw the production of Mad Forest. I just saw your design. Oh, okay. Again, that was that was another uh, that was another play about war that was non-specific. So, there you go. With nude people in it. Yes. It happens. Okay. What, people get That's... naked on stage? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Any plays I've seen where I see a dong or two. Yep. <laughs> And uh, so, so he then goes into the theater and, and discusses that he wants to rehearse a scene where Lady Macbeth undresses Macbeth and washes the blood of battle off of him. Henry and Ellen are both objecting, as, as is Oliver. Uh, and as they all try to discuss the idea, Jeffrey turns and tells Oliver to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And well-deserved it is, too. I have a bit of a spiel. This is the part on which I collaborated with my mom, I want to share some of the things. Remember, she was watching this episode with me. Yes, yes. I want to share some of the things that she pointed out. One of them was that she thinks, and I agree, that having Lady M wash the blood off of her husband's body is actually a brilliant idea because, first of all, it ties in with the later references to washing away blood in the play. Mm-hmm. Later on, Lady M herself says it in one of the play's most famous lines. Out, out, damn spot, all the perfumes of Arabia could not sweeten this little hand. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really brilliant parallel. However, uh, Mackers, we agreed, doesn't really have to be completely naked in that scene. He could just take his shirt off. And 
to, to continue about the theme of humanity versus being a monster, I'm absolutely siding with Jeffrey in that scene in their office. I think we should get a full three-dimensional picture of any important character in a play, especially the title character of one of the great Shakespearean tragedies. And Mom also agrees with Jeffrey's point about how if we can't identify with said title character, then the horror has no impact. This is what she said, specifically. If we don't identify with him, Mackers, it's not a tragedy, according to Aristotle's definition. Aristotle says tragedy is supposed to arouse the emotions of pity and fear in the audience. Fear that we might do the same. If you think he's just a monster, then you're glad to see him killed and you don't feel any pity for him. And finally, before we move on, the other, we both commented, has Oliver read Frankenstein? The whole point of the book is that the monster wants to be seen as human. You're supposed to see the monster as human. Mm-hmm. We were kind of annoyed by that, mm-hmm. that we know what happens in the book and what the book is all about because we've read it. So we were kind of annoyed at Oliver for not knowing that. Okay, that was a long spiel, but that's <laughs> all, all I had to say. Sure, well, that's, a, that's a lot of good content there, mm-hmm. for sure. Thanks. So, thoughts, uh, responses, any? Oh, yeah, if, no. if not, it's perfectly fine. No, it's it's all it's all well reasoned. Definitely, I uh, I agree. Um, I agree on the um, taking just having taken the shirt off thing. But I kind of saw where Jeffrey was saying about the full nude thing. The the fact that he's not only is he a man, but he's a middle aged man, and mm. and you know, I don't know that that kind of like. Not seeing a big buff body, but just, you know, an aged, saggy body. Mm. Which, you know, just taking a shirt off would have done that, too, I guess. Yeah, it's a, there's, you can go either way. It's not strictly necessary for him to actually be naked, but I don't agree with Oliver's points in the argument. Right. For why you shouldn't do that. Yes. And actually, next up uh, at the bar, Henry is relaying the story of what was happening to Brian. And uh, Brian kind of Brian kind of actually slightly ignores the whole uh, imaginary friend angle and asks directly about the uh, the naked idea. And uh, when he finds out what he's talking about, he's actually more intrigued than just uh, automatically agreeing with Henry's point of view. Brian seems to uh, actually think it's it's worth considering, hmm. which is which is yeah. kind of goes against what you what what our impression, as we were saying earlier, our impression of Brian was that he was just an antagonist. Right, mm-hmm. and that he was just gonna, you know, that most likely he would just agree with everything that Henry has to say, but instead he's, he takes a moment and says, you know, that's actually not a bad idea to think about at least. Right, and I, yeah. I started to think that you know, since they took the wind out of his sails, that you know, maybe, maybe he's not so bad after all. <laughs> there, that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting and good content on the show. Yes, uh, so let's uh, let's get down to the last scene we're here. Uh, Ellen confronts Jeffrey when he returns home at 3 a.m. This is number four. Yes. <laughs> but and in a real relationship, it really would have been forced. like 20 times. Yeah, 20 times, at right. At least yeah. in a real relationship before it got to that point. <laughs> so just be glad it wasn't that. Yeah, I know. But the second time they <laughs> talked it, I was like, all right, this is boring. I'm over this. <laughs> Uh, and it does see it does seem that you know you get the the sense that Jeffrey is feeling a little bit threatened by uh, Henry asking if she's mm-hmm. sleeping with him, mm-hmm. and um, 
Meanwhile, she's she's hating that he's spending all of his time with Oliver instead of uh, with her. And Oliver's not even real in you know her mind. So. Yeah, as far as she sees it, he's not. So uh, she's she ends up questioning whether she's strong enough to live with him, and he decides to uh, leave. Bolt. No, she does. She says she's leaving. I believe. No, nope, no. Nope. She leaves. says that she's oh. she's questioning whether she's strong enough to to live with him. Oh. And when he says. You know, then then when he makes a move to go, she says, "What are you doing?" He says, "I'm leaving." Oh, you're okay. I remembered that totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. And then he left, and then after that, she goes, "Jeffrey, like, mm-hmm. not almost like, come back, but not really." Yeah, yeah, it was a, like a half-hearted. <laughs> right? it, was, it was odd and weird that she said that. It was not her I, usual Jeffrey bark. Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe Keep on that's walking, Jeffrey. maybe that's because she just she can't take it. It's too much to be dealing with somebody who is, uh, in her her view, very mentally ill. So. Or whether or you know, or whether she was meaning to address him at all, or whether it was just a lamentation. Yeah, that wasn't specifically addressed to him. Kind of like I say, oh Fox, oh Jeff. Uh, so, uh, do we want to just jump right into quotes first? Because we can discuss our, our, our feelings about the episode as a whole during our rating segment. Okay. Mm-hmm. All Good right. One. Who wants first up on quote? Do you, did you have a quote that you wanted to fire up on? I loved one of them. Okay. Is there one that you love very most of, most of all? My very most lov- lovely one. Is it was... one of these ones or one of those ones? This was this one. Okay. This one. Okay. Everyone you draw looks like a drag queen. <laughs> That was pretty good. I like that. And you want to know why I love that? Because there was this guy I went to school with, and everyone he drew totally looked like a drag queen. And he was a drag queen, so totally fit. It was awesome. But there you go. It's just the traditional traditional theater where everybody is a guy. (laughs) There are no female actors. No, dude. Everybody looked like a drag queen. Any of them. So and the actresses would get like so offended. They're like, "Really?" It was it was horrible. But anyway, hmm. anybody else have a quote? Who's got a good quote? Well, my main quote was okay. uh, maybe he's just a piece of undigested beef. But we already went through that one. That's a good one though. That, that's, yeah, that's worth I, saying I, twice at least. That was actually yeah. a really good quote. I really love that reference. Me too. Uh, but the another one I wrote down is um, that's a sheer sign of evil. Horses going mad, which was at the very, very, very beginning. It just I don't know why it just kind of struck me as weird, and the thought of horses being insane is kind of funny in my head. So. Now, d- isn't there a horse that goes insane in Equus? No idea. I haven't seen Equus. There's a man that goes. Well, insane. there's a man, but isn't there a horse? Par- I don't remember. He, like kills the horse, right? Well, yeah, but he mutilates it. Yeah, that would make me go right. insane if I was a horse and someone was mutilating to me. see that, yeah. Who knows? I can't remember. It's been a long time. I don't know. I've never seen it. All I know is that Harry Potter gets naked at some point. Sure thing. <laughs> Again with the naked. On the stage. And Potter references. And Potter references. <laughs> oh, oh another, another show with a naked guy in it? Angels in America. Naked guy. Okay. Okay, keep going. Not so much with the war. Not so much. <laughs> no, no. War and AIDS. War and AIDS. There you got go. it. Yep. Uh, Amy, do you have a quote burning a hole in your pocket? Sure. Or a movie with a naked guy. (laughs) Play with a naked guy. (laughs) This is actually actually from the cold open. Oliver says to Jeffrey, So you think you're above this kind of superstitious prattle? Jeffrey, as a matter of fact, I do, yes. Oliver, you're talking to a ghost. Wake up and smell the coffin. (laughs) (laughs) That one was my favorite. Totally. I, 
when I first saw the episode, this made me wonder, did Oliver believe in the curse when he was alive? And did finding himself as a ghost convince him, well, if ghosts are real, then the curse must also be real. But then, no, I remembered when Jeffrey was watching Oliver's interview video, Oliver said, it's a play of such power that one quite literally dare not speak its name. So, yes, Oliver definitely did believe very strongly in the curse when he was alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, Paul, I don't think we've heard a quote from you yet. Yeah, I think my, my favorite in the whole episode is Mr. Archer saying, you want people to trust you, you don't quote Nixon, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I am yeah. not a crook. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that was one of my secondary quotes, by the way. Yep, that was a good moment. Uh, and did you did you want to did you want you, you you were specifically mentioning the puppet quote stars did you want to where, where is the one we got we got two of them here okay did did you have a puppet quote ben no i'm done with quotes oh okay okay uh uh that, i'll let you do that one okay it was my favorite uh you want people oh that's not where is it yeah. there it is i could tell you stories of my six weeks in oh boy Schwartzfeld. Oh, oh, a Schwartzfeld puppet colony. That would <laughs> reduce you to tears. That's pretty funny. I like that one. And then, Paul, you do that one. Oh, you want me to do the other one right yeah. away? Yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah. So you know who thought this up? An idea blast team composed of a puppeteer, a professional figure skater, and a nine-year-old child. <laughs> <laughs> nine-year-old child. Yeah. Seriously. Does anybody box? have any, last, uh, sec- any other secondary quotes? Secondary quote. Oh, really? Uh, from the cold open. Uh, it would take more than a broken neck to shut her up. I love that. Funny. <laughs> I, I feel that way on, I uh, on That's post-cold cold opener, yes. Was it post yeah. And then my, my very last one is, is Richard uh, kind of echoing things that he said in the first season, but uh, I'm not heartless. I'm just detail-oriented. <laughs> <laughs> more like business-oriented, but yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah, that, that was good. Are we all wrapped up on quotes then? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, then we can move into the uh, rating segment. We don't have any feedback this week, but uh, if anybody wants to send us feedback, you can post on the Facebook group, all that. Uh, there'll be details at the end. Uh, who wants to kick off the rating segment? I will. Okay. Uh, this whole episode, everything seemed very forced to me, particularly, I guess, because of the four different interactions where... Uh, Jeffrey and Ellen have the same conversation over and over again with almost the exact same dialogue. And then there was some other just kind of like very forced performances that kind of got under my skin. So I'm going to rate it 5 out of 10 undressed Mackers. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Uh, may, May I go next? Absolutely. Uh, the the plot thickens in this episode, and the drama is getting really, really good. But I'm feeling a lot of uncertainty around the ad campaign subplot. I'm very interested to see whether so- Sanjay's plan... Oh, that was a... I, I already said that in my 60-second challenge, about if you make them think you're insane, then you can do whatever you want. I'm really yeah. interested to see if that's going to work, but right now I'm thinking they may have lost too much goodwill, and they may not be able to get that goodwill back. So I'm going to give this episode 6 out of 10 gory bald heads. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Who's next? 
Um, let's see. I'm, I've got nothing here. Oh my god, I didn't plan ahead. Um, for me, I, I enjoyed it more. It really, uh, I, I feel like it, it finally, I don't know, it gave me a little something more to think about. Uh, other than just, you know, one crazy guy and a couple of his friends. Uh, so I'm going to give it, uh, seven, um, seven. Swans of swimming? <laughs> No, 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 we already did the idea Uh-oh. blast teams. <laughs> Good one. Good choice. Thank you, Paul. Yes. Save me. All right. Well, I, you know, I, th- I, I thought that, uh, you know, the frog hammers alienist <coughs> was all a, a lot of fun. And, and the, the, the fact that Darren Nichols is back can't be bad. I mean, it could, could be bad for the, uh, the fate of things at the New Riverbridge Festival, but it can't be bad for the, uh, the humor of the series. I, I, I really felt like the, the first two episodes were, were at much too slow of a pace, and it might have felt a little jarring for some that it, uh, the pace picked up so much in this episode, mm. but I, I really enjoyed the, that, that fact that it is ramping up. Um, so I'm going to go with a 8 out of 10 baked interns. <laughs> nice. I will say, though, that you, those two kids played Stone yes. way better than uh, yeah. Rose and her friend did. Rose. Rose. Though, you keep calling her Rose. You're so funny, Ben. Whatever reason, I, I keep Rose McGowan, even though it's Rachel McAdams. Yes. That's awesome. You're awesome, Ben. That's all I have to say. <laughs> hey, Doris, would you like to know what the assignment for next week is? Yes. Okay, the assignment for next week is, uh, it's a quote, and it's actually a quote that we probably all, mm. many of us already know. Uh, fair is foul, and foul is fair. <laughs> now someone please cleanse this awesome. air. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, that is the assignment for next week. Uh, and I'm folding all our contact information for the show itself into the end of the show again. But, uh, uh, Ben, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter. I am living on the air. Uh, I am also on Instagram as living on the air, and most social media outlets. SoundCloud, living on the air. All right. Uh, you can listen to my other podcast, Enumeration. Just go to enumeration podcast. Wait, enumeration. What is my web address? Hang on one sec. Uh, do you mostly access it through your Tumblr? There we go. Yeah, I was trying to remember what the Tumblr website is. All right, you can you can access uh, our website. It is enumerationpodcast.tumblr.com. That's enumeration.podcast. No, that's enumeration. There's no dot Podcast.tumblr.com. Yes, that's it. Uh, Amy, where can we okay. find you? Twitter at Amy Bowen on Twitter and the Deadpan Cup. The Deadpan Podcast Discussion Board, as always. And at the moment, that is it. Someday, maybe, there will be more places where I actively do stuff. Sure thing. But that is it for now. Oh, actually, I've been updating Goodreads more and more lately. Darcy, are there other places we can find you online? You can find me living under a rock. This, that's it. Not been to that site yet. <laughs> your, your, your Twitter account is Mad Hatter, although I don't know the last time you looked at it. It's I, Mad with two Ds. I don't even know that I know how to get in there. You know, best way to find me is through Paul Mackey. He'll write me a post and don't post it on the fridge. There you go. <laughs> and you can find me uh, on Twitter at Really Big Things, and uh, also Really Big Things on Facebook and uh, most places. And you can find me on the Deadpan Comment Board. So uh, with that, I can. Uh, wrap up for this uh this episode 
So uh, we will say uh, goodbye from uh, Elk River, Minnesota, Darcy and I. Goodbye. Auf say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And good night from Omaha. Macbeth is crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. King Duncan is silly. Prince Malcolm's a dolly. Banquo's got an apple. Macduff finds Duncan dead. The Ghostlight Podcast and many other fine podcasts can be found at quadruplez.com. You can send your own feedback to us in a number of ways. We are on Twitter at GhostlightPC. Find us at facebook.com slash groups slash ghostlightpodcast. Please keep discussion there spoiler-free. If you want to comment on future episodes, the newbies don't check the phone or email. Call our voicemail line, 206-309-9389. Or email us, theghostlightpodcast at gmail.com. The theme music for Season 2 is Macbeth on Broadway by Jonathan Mann and is used by permission. Find out about all of Jonathan's work at jonathanmann.com. For a little while, but he's driven slowly mad. He's haunted by the ghosts of those... Cat fight. What? <laughs> <laughs> Literal. Great. <laughs> all right. Uh... Sure. Oh, for God's sake, you two! That is enough! Kids Sorry. fighting, cats fighting. It's, it's all a, chaos. A lot, of, a lot of discord. We probably shouldn't have said Macbeth so much. Oh, rigs. It's all your fault, one Paul. One point for Darcy. <laughs> he goes back to the witches. They say to wear Macduff. So Macduff's wife and child killed with great pain. Hello and welcome back to Ghostlight Podcast. Um, sorry, there's a cat crawling up my wife. <laughs> sorry, euphemism? No, not at all. I can't imagine. Okay. Out on the battlefield, Macbeth is a scream. Is Was that a Kids in the Hall reference? Uh, yes, it was. He... I thought, uh, I don't think Mark McKinney played that. I think Scott played that one. Was Scott the chicken lady? I'm pretty sure. Mm. I could be wrong. It's been forever since I've seen Kids in the Hall. Like, since high school. But Yes. Maybe maybe Mark McKinney did. I don't know. <sighs> now I almost want to look it up. <laughs> he and by almost, I mean by you're looking it up. By almost means I'm looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Just briefly. We That's didn't, fine. Did we lose Amy? No. Oh, okay, I'm right here. Okay. Just, you were so quiet for a second. I couldn't find you. Back and listening. Where did you go? <laughs> so okay. <wet>. Nope. I've <laughs> Who's the chicken lady of Martha's Vineyard? I want to see that one. Uh, yeah, I think that's... Homecoming. I think that is Scott. I think so. I just remember his old lady impressions were spot on, and that I kind of broke the chicken lady in that. Oh, box. no, it is Mark. Yep. Is it? It's yeah, Mark. It is. According to Wikipedia, anyhow. I, it looks fairly trustworthy. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture. It's totally Mark. You're right. Yay! So, in a battle with Macduff, Macbeth fights and loses. Macbeth is going to the other side. Macbeth is going to the other side. Oh, Christmas. Working my, work, working my two weekend days this week, so... I gotta go to what work. day are you in right now? 
Uh, this will be going into day six. Yeah. All right. So wow. five. Oh, no, no, no. Six, it's thirteen. Six, thirteen days. Thirteen days. Because right. I did Sunday. I, l- I did last Sunday too. That's right. Yeah. Well, thirteen days. It doesn't sound as good as twelve. So I mean, going into day seven of thirteen. Uh, I was going to try and figure out what the sixth day of Christmas was. <laughs> so I know that five is five golden rings. Six geese laying. Yeah, that's right. Six geese laying. There you go. But I mean, seven of thirteen, so it doesn't. It doesn't seven work. swans are swimming. Seven swans yes. are swimming. Mm-hmm. What, what, what happens when I get to day thirteen? Eight maids are milking. Yeah. Nine lords are Yep. No. It's no, ten lords are weeping and nine ladies oh. dancing. Mm. What's eleven? Um. Thirteen. Oh, pipers piping. Uh, Eleven and twelve are pipers piping and drummers drummer drumming. I think twelve is but drummers drumming. I don't drummer. in which order. And thirteen is probably cats a coughing or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that cat's on about. She's being kind of a pest. Okay. We might have to lock her up. We'll see. Did you hear that? I said lock her up. Why don't you go do something else? All right. Here comes the official start. You okay. ready? Shh. Quiet. Cat. <laughs>